We're back. We're back, back, back. Uh, welcome to This Is Polymaths. Uh, we're on episode 19. It's been way too long. We've, had, lo- we've had lots of work done. Lots of uh, things have changed uh, and moved on. My name is Chris Frossin. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Chris Frossin. That's uh, F-R-O-S-I-N. I'm everywhere as that. It's nice and simple. Uh, I'm Ashley Callum. You can find me on uh, Facebook of the same name, uh, Complete Calisthenics. On Facebook, uh, completecalisthenics.com, at calisthenicsuk. Um, Everything. Email me, completecalisthenicsuk at gmail.com. Loads of stuff. Yeah. Loads of stuff. So it's been a long time. Uh, it's actually been Very since uh, February. So February, February, you moved over to Norwich, didn't you? Yeah. So we moved. Um, yeah, sort of half an hour east of Norwich. Near the coast. We were trying to. We tried to do some uh, online internet Skype style podcast and they just didn't work because the, the connection was just so poor. My internet was It would have been place on that, rather yeah. unfair for all the listeners to listen to crackling and um, disconnects and everything. So yeah, we haven't done we haven't done a podcast for a while, but uh, we thought we'd better get together uh, for this one because we've had some uh, rather large uh, changes. Um, Ash has been on a couple of travels and journeys and adventures. Um, well, by one really. Well, one. We have one. one long, massive journey and adventure. Um, we haven't written down any notes for this podcast because I don't think we'll need them. This is literally. I've just caught up with Ash this morning. We went out for breakfast um, and we started chatting. We did our we did our usual three hour conversation that we then realised that we probably should have recorded and podcasted. <laughs> so yeah. we've come back and uh, we've just set the uh, thing recording. So Ash, you've been been in Canada for two months. Yeah. All of, all of September and October, wow. which is amazing. So uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast, but my girlfriend has wanted to move to Canada for a long time. So when when we sort of got together, first got got to know each other, she explained to me that it was the first um, thing she said. One of the first things she said, you know, look, I, when it when we thought, oh, well, this might develop into something serious, it was like, look, uh, you need to know that I've, I've I've always wanted to move to Canada. I will move to Canada no matter, no matter what. So you've got to be on, on board with that. Um, I think at the time I was I was going towards being self-employed. I don't think I was self-employed completely at the time. You're still, um, still a PT. Yeah, so I was still writing, but still doing. But I don't think I was fully self-employed. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's always a place that I wanted to uh, or had, had wanted to visit. Not as much as she had. I'd, yeah. I'd thought about it in the back of my mind. Yeah, it's one of those, um, one of those bucket list things. Like, oh, I'd quite like to go to Vietnam. Yeah, and do you just see pictures. Yeah. You know, we, I'd seen pictures of British Columbia on on. Yeah. or nature programs or whatever else um, so yeah so we went spent two months there uh, did a little bit of work a little bit of holiday vacation um, it was amazing so we'll put our emigration forms in there's no <laughs> way down. I can live in the UK not that the UK is a bad place it's a nice place but um, there's just too many people not enough land just it's just house prices too expensive. It, it sounds like, on a very very small scale, it sounds like the the, the kind of thoughts because I've never been to Canada and it's it's again it's on those list of places that I really want to go. I've got a, a couple of um, very good photographer friends over there, a girl called Kelly and a guy called uh, Ryan who shoots an awful lot of uh, well he started shooting an awful lot of automotive stuff now. So uh, kind of chat to them a, a lot. Um, always kind of seeing their photographs of, of the landscape and where they are and catching up with them and it just sounds like a really cool place to live and then I, I used to visit Sweden an awful lot when I was in my mid-twenties, I used to go out there two, three times a year and it, was, it sounds like from the initial conversation I had with you over breakfast this morning, it sounds like a very similar place in terms of everybody's nice and chilled out, there's no dirt, there's no litter, everything's it just seems to run really smoothly and there's just so much more space, nothing's cluttered or or feels rushed. Yeah, that yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's and they've got black bears. And, got black, and brown bears. And, and brown bears. Yeah, not to okay, not to discriminate bears. against uh, bear colour. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was um, yeah, it was just it was an eye opener for me. You know, it was uh, a, a different. I mean, you're obviously going to get the fast paced life. You're obviously going to get you know poverty, unemployment, you know, social problems, yeah. whatever. You get that in any country. Um, but the places that we visited and the, the type of lifestyle that we want for ourselves, you know, I want, I want to be able to write whatever I want, do any sort of project that I want, um, have land, a lot of land, um, be able to have that peace and quiet, be a bit closer to nature, have clean water, you know, um, be able to you know, have water from a well and all these other sorts of things. Sean wants to be able to 
have horses, have, have orchards, vegetable patches, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and you, you can sort of do that stuff over here, but you, you can't hunt, so you can't be really fully... Well, you can, but you can't really be fully self-sufficient. It's, yeah. it's a lot harder over here than, yeah, no, to do definitely. that it is in somewhere like Canada. Um, but uh, now I was listening to um, to say that it's a lot harder to be self-sufficient over here. I was listening to Radio 2. I was on a photo shoot yesterday down in Swindon, uh, which is, um, for those of you kind of so you understand geographically, it's... <laughs> this is this is where another one of those things that isn't going to relate over in Canada as well because Swindon is uh, I think it's eighty miles away from here, if that uh, maybe a little bit more and it takes two and a half hours to drive, so it's two and a half hour drive to go eighty miles, um, maybe ninety miles. I mean you'll get traffic in I mean yeah in, in Vancouver so there's a lot of be two million people, mm. but that's what, what is ten million people now in London. Yes, yeah, yeah, over, I think. I think it's yeah. 11, 12. Uh, right? And it is, it is expensive, like, don't get me wrong. Vancouver is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, Chinese and Russian investment there, which obviously can drive house prices up. You know, and uh, people want to move into a city like that. You know, you've got skiing, the beach, Vancouver Island. You've got all of this stuff on your doorstep. Yeah. And people do. You know, you hear that sort of cliche about, oh, you know, sort of um, skiing in the morning and then golfing in the afternoon. You can do that. In Vancouver. You, do that in, you can do that in Vernon, where we were. You know, the, awesome. guy, the guy that awesome. I went mount, mountain biking with, Sam, um, one of uh, our host friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he sort of took me out mountain biking. He says, you know, you can, these trails are dry now and stuff, there's no snow, but um, when there is snow, you can you can ski in the morning, golf in the afternoon, or ski in the morning. In the afternoon. So, you know, you can sit on the beach in the afternoon because I mean, you might not be warm, but it's still a beach yeah. there because you know you've got Cal Cal Lake and <laughs> Cal Park right there in the Incredible. Um, so, so yeah, that, they're the main reasons, and, and it's it's kind of like uh, we're in the we're in a position, interesting one, that we can you know we both work from home and things, and, and we can we can move to another country and work and still earn the same money more or less. And, and do all these other things, um, so we're not tied down to where we okay. We have to buy a house in you know uh, Norfolk or Norwich or whatever yeah. because we yeah. be, because we work here. Um, so obviously, for me, taking that into account, I, I can't justify. Really can't just because some of the house prices we saw are crazy cheap. So they had they had that was one of the things. Um, so on the drive down, I was flicking through. I started with um, uh, an REM tape. Um, in the radio, uh, listened to listened to both sides of that, and uh, then flicked on and listened to a few radio stations as I was driving down. And I got caught up on Radio Two, listened to a bit of Radio Two, and I flicked over as he was saying, "So, uh, give us a call in and let us know what difficulties you're having selling your house." I was like, "Okay, I'll leave this one on for a bit and see what kind of incredibly crazy, stupid things people phone up and say. Oh, I can't sell my house because of X." And there was one person who said, I can't sell my house because it hasn't got any broadband and I can't get any signal at all. And I was like, okay, fair enough, that sounds like a, a very um, third world kind of thing. I can't sell my house because it hasn't got broadband. And then one of them phoned up and he said, uh, going back to this kind of self-sufficient thing and how difficult it is, I can't sell my house because it's got solar panels on the roof. I was like, well, surely that's like a really good thing because if you've got a house with solar panels on, you're already creating your own electricity. You get paid at the moment yeah. them because there's no way of storing it yet. Obviously, yeah. the Tesla Powerwalls might come in and that'll change that. That would but be cool. you get paid by government because you know, any extra that you can't yeah. use gets put into the grid. But my apparently, parents, my parents get paid for you. Know, somebody, again, this is a, uh, the power of social media. Somebody on social media has put up a thing saying that if you have solar panels on your roof, A, it might collapse the roof. Oh, for God's sake. Okay, maybe if it was put up by pikeys. Yeah. Um, we had really heavy ceramic tiles <laughs> all over the roof. It can support those fine, but yeah, a not blast not, panelling. Not a yeah, solar panel. And then the other thing was, you don't own the roof. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I can't buy a house with solar panels on because, well, you don't own the roof, do you? Because you're, you're, you've got a contract and you're leasing, leasing the roof to the company that you've got the contract with to put the solar panels on. So you can't put a flag on your roof over the solar panels because it's breaching the contract. Why the hell you want to put a flag on your roof? I don't know. So it's how are you breaching the contract? The, the, the because the contract you've you've signed it uh, unless you buy the solar panels outright. Uh, the most um, 
uh, the most common way that people have been putting solar panels on their roof is to sign a contract with a company who basically they you rent their roof out to them and they put solar panels on there for you. Okay. So if you put a big tree up in front of the solar panels, then you're breaching the contract because they're not getting as efficient power as well, they could. I can't could. understand that. Like, I mean, if, they're, yeah, if the company enough, themselves are taking a, a massive hit. A, who would put a massive tree up in front of their solar panels, because that's the reason why you put solar panels on the front of the trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other, the other explanation was, oh, so you can't put a flag on your roof. Why the hell would you put a flag over your solar panels when you just put solar panels? So, yeah, it's just... I'd rather have a flag and higher electricity. thanks. That's what they're basically saying. Yeah. For, to, to tr- prevent people from... It's like from there's a massive nuclear ball of flame... 90 million miles away and it produces all this energy for yes. nothing and you can power your home and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to put a flag on my roof. Yeah. Well, we'll leave that then. Just I'm go. sorry, you can't sell your house because you've got solar panels on it. It's like, oh, Which is strange. Oh, like, we were, we were... I'd put solar panels our, on our second, roof. Our second month in Canada was in uh, what they call the Okanagan, which is sort of Verna, Kelowna, that's, that sort of area. Was that built on a solar panel? No, no, but uh, but, but solar panels aren't aren't massive over there at okay. all. There's no government sub- subsidy that we that we Yeah, yeah. Knew so of. we're really um, lucky for that. Yeah, um, even though they get two thousand hours plus sunshine a year, that we, we worked, I worked out it's an average of about five and something, five and a half hours every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah, and and they get blue skies. No, We're lucky no if we get that in summer. Stuff. Exactly. Just yeah. just in the summer months. And Julie and John, the the people that stay, we were staying with, really nice couple. Um, they were telling us that um, yeah, they get in the summer they just get day after day thirty degrees, thirty degrees, thirty five degrees. You know, and then in the winter, it's, it's the opposite. They get proper seasons. Which is fair enough, because I mean, everybody everybody moans about that in the UK anyway. And you, you go anywhere, pretty much, it sounds like you go anywhere else in the world, and they're like, yeah, we get consistent summers, and we get consistent winters, and we know what we're getting. And then we're, we're here in the UK panicking when we get an inch of snow. Well, a very small island, because we're, 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 you know, you're, sub- you're subject to all the, the, the ocean yeah. currents and yeah, all yeah. the weather that brings, you know. Whereas, you know, North America is such a ma- massive landmass that it, it, it gets much more there. consistent. Yeah, yeah, just in terms so, of the weather patterns anyway. I mean, if we, if we, I mean, our plan would be to to either have solar panels on the house that we build. Um, we would look to build eventually over there. We'd, we'd either, I think, we'll try and buy the land, the amount of land that we want, whether that's 100 acres or 200 acres or whatever. Um, <laughs> See, that's the other thing as well. You can buy it. You're going over to Canada yeah. and it's like, that's the first thing, yeah, I'm going to buy 100 acres of land. Yeah. And this house, that we're, we're recording this podcast here in this house, and we found out this has got a third of an acre. Yeah, you stand, yeah. The, the, the land here is a third of an acre, and it's, it's, you probably wouldn't even get that sold over in Canada. It wouldn't be worth it. And it, 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 it is. They'll just, they'll just sell like a house lot yeah, and yeah. stuff, you know. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the houses yeah, that are away acres. from sort of towns and stuff, have, they have acreage. I mean, even up just from... Uh, if anybody listening has heard of the Silver Star Resort, we were staying probably ten minutes down the road from there. That was Vernon. Yeah, in Vernon. Yeah, in Vernon. really, really nice place. I mean, so, so wh- where are the places that you went to? You went so Whistler first. Started in Whistler. That's yeah, West Coast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, two three hours from West Coast. Yeah, uh, which was amazing. Yeah, a bit more rainforest type um, weather. It was still hot and, and humid. Mm, no, nowhere near as humid as over here. No, nowhere near. Look, what as 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 UK? Yeah, yeah. it didn't. Feel, I mean, even when it was cold, it didn't really feel cold. You know, it was never damp. Um, until, you know, until you were going hiking and things in the in the forests, um, that was really nice. Uh, a bit more touristy, though. So that wasn't really the. That's why we wanted to uh, okay. have Vernon on our. Because that was one of the reasons why I didn't list. like Barcelona when I went to Barcelona. Because that was really really touristy, oh, very yeah. touristy heavy. Uh, I didn't really didn't really. But it's kind of like, Whistler was kind of like the that. right sort of. Everybody's there either to mountain bike or snowboard okay. or ski or do some. So it was activity. a recreational kind of. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, they've got they've got the Olympic Village not too of course, yeah, not too far away. Um, they've got all these hikes around there. Uh, Vancouver's only really two two hours by road. Just go south on the okay. I ninety nine, I think it was. Um, the roads around there are amazing. Everybody does biking, road biking, um, canoeing. Uh, yeah, it's just like an activity playground for people that that want to do that sort of stuff. So um, that was absolutely amazing. But it was it was. Definitely a touristy type of place, you know. Right. Um, a lot of felt more touristy than the other places. Yeah. Right. Um, so where did you go after that? Vernon. So that was another what two hours? That was no, that's five, five, five six hours, hours east. Yeah. Right. So five hour drive east. But he's still, he's still well. He, that's about the centre of. Yeah. British Columbia. There, it's massive. Yeah. Wow. You can't get over how big these, how big the place is, especially coming from you know, the UK, which is a comparatively small. Yeah. 
small country. Um, but then still seems to take forever to get from one side to the other. Yeah, I mean, driving over there was 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 nice. You know, I, I enjoyed driving. No one was really in any rush, but people just got where they needed to go quickly. Anyway. Yeah. You know, um, the, 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 to me, the road designs had a lot of sense to them. You know, there were. I think we we probably hit a couple of roundabouts. That's it. There was a small one in Vernon Town Centre. Um, but other than that, it was just you know four-way, three-way stop signs and just a lot easier to use. Yeah, just kept the, kept the traffic. But but you know, in, in places like that, they didn't have the type of traffic that they have even just around here. You know, just coming coming up to Derby today. Um, but yeah, amazing. Yeah, incredible. So yeah, I mean, we knew within sort of two weeks that we wanted to emigrate. So it's um. It's so you got you went anyway. Whistler, uh, five-hour drive east. What was the, what was the drive like? Was it? Did you stop a lot? Uh, yeah, well, you stop whenever you can. Yeah, it's good because every, every five every five kilometers down the road, there's like another uh, vantage point ahead or vantage point, you know, two kilometers ahead. You just stop proper proper sort of built lay by where there's there'll be some sort of natural feature that, that people take photos of or just sitting up a picnic or <laughs> or just a break or something. Yeah, there's a lot oh, of that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, but then they got they got the scenery for it. You know, yeah. every time you come around a corner, it's just like oh my god, oh my god, it really is like that. So the closest yeah. I've got to something like that was the Isle of Skye up in Scotland, and you go up there, and there's, it's a really really small little island, um, and there's two basically there's two roads. Uh, there's one that goes right up through the centre, and then there's one that goes down the east coast-ish. Uh, I mean, when I say small island, it's tiny. It's um, uh, I'm trying to think of a size. I don't know, forty forty miles. 40 miles from top to bottom, something like that. It might, it might not even be that. Well, uh, I'm sorry, it's small then. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty small, but that that was um, particularly mountainous. So when you're driving, the, the centre road that goes all the way at the centre, all the way at the middle of this island, as you're driving around that, it's quite it's quite bendy and curvy, and every time you go round a bend, the, the vista opens up and you get another view that's incredible. Um, so that was kind of the only drive that I've gone down. I mean... Driving down to Land's End down in Cornwall, that's quite cool. But it's nothing like every, everything keeps opening up. It looks really impressive, and then you're on the top of the hills, and you can get to see for quite, quite a long way, um, and all the grass and everything makes the view rather pleasant, but it's not jaw-dropping. I imagine, I mean, I've, I see lots of Ryan's photographs and lots of Kelly's photographs from over in Alberta and um, uh, Calgary. Okay. And um, yeah, they look—they just look on a completely another scale, completely different scale. Something you can't capture with pictures as well. That's why I was, I was a lot of things I didn't even bother taking photos of yeah. because I was like, yeah, I can show these to mum and dad and, and you and friends them. and stuff. But it's like you—you you, you, yeah, you just don't get the depth, just the vastness yeah. of scale, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, see, so I'd yeah. love to go and photograph. I—I I, I will. I'm going to go over next year. Uh, I'll go over next year. I'll go over and see Kelly, and I'll go over and see Ryan, and we'll spend. And you come back and you put your immigration. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put my immigration. Exactly. Who said I'm going to come back? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's. Don't tell border border that... patrol. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a large enough country. I'm sure I can get lost in there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it just seems like they. I don't know the, the people that maybe it was just the people that we hang around with, but the, the people that we met, you know, John and Julie were just. You know the, the, the sort of I would say the, the standard hard-working Canadians. You know they hadn't had uh, an amazing upbringing. You know, they they told us all about their childhoods and stuff, and and um, that they didn't come from privileged backgrounds or anything else like that. And they, they worked hard and stuff. They bought their own land. They built their own house and stuff. Um, and it just seems like that's that's a lot more the norm. Yeah. There, you know, um, it, it's yeah they they sort of respect hard work and things and and. Yeah, you obviously do get a few people that just expect stuff to be handed to them, but in in on the whole, that's that's sort of not that's not favoured. You know, um, they realise that it's kind of like a bit more of a. Um, I think I, I think a bit I more can... like a frontier mentality because it's still quite yeah. a young country. You know, the, the, there's houses, the buildings that are like 100, 150 years old that are like historic buildings. And you know, that's that's like a regular council house here sometimes. You know, or regular terraced house that's that might be a hundred years old. That's quite easy. You know. Um, so uh, yeah I mean I can't think of any negative points I was just there. about to say what's the negative where, where, I can't where, think where of are the negatives driving where, where? on the right was absolutely fine the yeah, roads I are twice have an as, issue with that roads are twice as wide as anything else um, 
That was one of the things that my friends were saying when I went over, because I worked in uh, Boston uh, for three summers, um, or four summers, at a Nike Tennis Academy. And we drove, well, we rented a car there, I went over with a friend of mine uh, who I used to tennis coach with. And um, we rented a, rented a car and we were going to drive to Connecticut from Boston, from Massachusetts. And everybody was saying, oh, you'll, you'll hate driving on the wrong side of the road. I mean, I like driving here anyway. Um, and then I got in the car and drove up and just, yeah, it was, what was it? Was it four hours? I don't know, it was, it was a fair way. We stopped, we stopped, at, a, um, stopped at a burger place uh, that happened to have a pawn shop next to it. And just chilled out and yeah it was really really pleasant driving experience so I don't I don't find the issue of driving on the wrong side of the road because we clearly drive on the right side of the road. It was, it was a lot nicer to drive as well yeah. you know uh, it, there was we didn't really have anybody tailgating and stuff you know if, if there were it just seems everything's a lot more logical you know but they've got a lot more space as well you yeah know, that, if, I, think that's, I think that's one of the, the main The highways things. and stuff out, out of the out of any town centre just dual carriageways you know just two yeah. lanes and Every every couple of kilometres, there's like a pull-out lane for yeah. big trucks. When trucks are going up something, they just put the hazards on, always. See, I think there's the chain space... areas, you know, there's warnings all the time about wildlife and yeah. make sure you've got snow tyres on. And, the and space is like such it. a big thing, though, because over here, you've, if, you want to get, if you want to get down to London, it's, I mean, technically, technically it's the same kind of principle, so it's, it's two roads and you get to the, the major motorway to get down to London. But, like, to get down to Swindon, it was... Uh, a couple of minor roads to get to a major road and then to get to another major road and then you come off the major road onto a little minor road and you go on it that takes two and a half hours to do that little little s- stretch but then when you've got the space like you have in Canada and America you drive out of the city and you go straight onto the the route 66 or whatever straight onto a highway and then that takes you straight to the next city or wherever you need to go and then you drop straight off that so it just seems that like, the space makes everything a lot more logical and simple when you're driving as well mm. and then obviously as you're driving along you've got views at Easter's <laughs> you're stopping every five minutes and adds on <laughs> adds on another I mean, everything 50% was, to your journey time even after even after a couple of weeks we well, especially in Berlin we, we just were just like yeah this is this could quite easily be home yeah quite easily especially because we're in a bit of a routine then and stuff and we're waking up doing a little bit of work answering any emails and stuff and did you sleep better over there as well uh, I know you. Do, I know you like your sleep, and I know you don't. Not too much of one does. Yeah. No. Well. Uh, yeah, but they have. Um, like they don't. We don't have radiators like here. They have. They will have like warm air jets. Like, okay. Warm, like fan. Not fans, but like um, uh, vents that blow warm air in. Yeah. They'll, they'll just heat the houses like that. Uh, but sometimes they would come on in the, of the night, and it was. It was. It's a lot drier climate, especially in Burnham. Yeah. So that took a little bit of used to. Um, but yeah. So where did you go after Vernon? You went so we went when, Whistler five hours east. You went to Vernon. Then uh, we had about three days left. So then we um, our uh, sort of stay at Vernon ended. The three days or three, yeah uh, yeah four days but three nights. So we went back to Banff, um, which is just in Alberta on the like the, the far western side of Alberta. Um, spent some time there. Got a friend called Steve um, who I knew from university. He's been over there about ten years now. Oh cool. Um, he really loves it there. Um, what does he do? He's a personal trainer, oh. and he also does like uh, he he's just started a um, like fish and chip business, but like proper sort of organic, you know, really fresh like fresh stuff. You okay. Know, like properly English. And is that I was going to say is that and is that still a very English thing over there or is, is yeah but he's, he's fish still and chip yeah it's still yeah, yeah it's a big fish and chip place in um, well, a couple actually in Berlin. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything just seems to be. A bit more open. It's like the attitude of like, well, of course you can do that. Yeah. Like with like with house building, we were asking. I was, I was firing so many questions at John, um, who the the guy that we were staying with in Vernon. Um, he was telling me all about you know, what they had to do. Well, yeah, you need a permit to, to build, but after that, you can do whatever you want. You know, if you if you own seven acres, you build a seven acre house if you like. Yeah. You know, obviously no one does because that. Really <laughs> that would be um, but he says, yeah, yeah. There's not. There's not the. There's not the restrictions. No crazy because because the chances that that you're going to build something that's going to block someone else's light out it says it's slim to none. It's not even a. It's not even it's considered. It's not even entered into no. the brain. No. There are, there's some things that you you, know, you can't do, and and uh, but it's a bit yeah, it's a bit more frontier frontiersman, you know, sort of like the frontier like 
you know, that way, um, where people can buy some land and, and more or less do what they, do what they want yeah. to again. I'd love um, to build my own house, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, and obviously that, my, my house would just be like a massive garage slash studio slash gallery with, with a bed, a, with a, bed with a, a, yeah, with a bedroom and a kitchen and a TV. Yeah. That's connected to the that's computer. Yeah, there we go. Sorted. That's me. That's me done. But uh, yeah, I've, I'm I'm trying to find one of those over here. But it's it's too restrictive. It's it's far too restrictive because I want to. Ideally, I'd like to live in a garage slash studio slash gallery, so I can have my cars there, the studio, so that I can photograph the cars there. Because there's no point if. There's no point having such a large space if you're not going to make use of it in terms of photography as well. So straight away you've got um, a studio to photograph cars, and then you've got a gallery as well that I can show all my work off. Um, I'd love to live there, but there's just so many restrictions. It means that you can't. So you can technically you can get around it if you live there for nine nine months, and well. then you have to go and live somewhere else for three months. But you you can't live there all year round. It's yeah. It's and it's ridiculously expensive for, for the kind of stuff that I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's like the lifestyle that me and Javon want is is uh, we, we couldn't we couldn't live it here not unless we had a lot of money. Yeah. And even if we did have a lot of money, you, you're still going to be fairly close to to other people. I mean, we yeah. want to be close enough that you can still socialise with your neighbours and things like that. But um, yeah, it's not like you want to be hurt, mate. You know, I, I want to I want to be able to have a music room where I can crank my amp and not have to worry about. <laughs> Oh, I can't do this now because there's because someone, somebody will complain. Someone has a house that's ten feet from me. Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. I don't want that. Um, but it just yeah, it just means that we can build the type of house that we want. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot more, just a lot freer. I, I think how. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine us ever having that or being able to have that life here yeah. unless we earn a, a, a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Um, and then you just haven't got the weather. Um, and like and you're, yeah. in a, you're in a really good position as well that you can work from anywhere you like. You can work anywhere in the world technically because you just, <laughs> in inverted commas, you just write books. So yeah. you sit yeah, yeah. down in front of your computer and you, you just crank out some some the words every day. So what is it a thousand? You try and do a thousand a day still? Yeah, it, dep- it depends really. Yeah, it depends what I'm. I've, I've, how, I've much, how much work did you actually do over in Canada? I've got uh, I've got an archery fitness book. Yep, done. Because that's been something that, that I've was wanted to for a while. Because I couldn't really see anything on there, and I thought, if anything's gonna, um, a lot of these guys will just shoot because it's heavily based yeah. on technique, but it still requires strength to draw the ball, draw the bow back, um, strength to hold it there. Yeah. If you've got muscular control, then obviously you can hold the side pictures steadier. It's gonna be a more accurate shot. Then obviously, if you're hunting as well, you need a certain level of fitness. I mean, Cameron Haynes and Sarah Beaumar are two of the people that I follow that really champion the fitness side. Yeah. Of, yeah, I'm not heard of her, but I'll, I'll definitely Sarah Baymire is really cool. Yeah. Um, she's over in America as well. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I did that. What last twenty five, thirty thousand words, and then um, I've been doing a lot on a uh, guitar book, which I'm buying. Instructional book, yeah. I've, I've, well, after this podcast, in about forty five minutes, actually, I've got to head up to or um, oh, near to Chester to see a guy who um, uh, bought one of my <laughs> um, fitness books. And I answered a couple of emails he, he sent me. Um, and he, he offered like uh, sort of you know oh you know in exchange I'll, I'll do a guitar lesson you know guitar yeah. Skype lesson, um, but at the time I was I was in Norwich our internet signal was rubbish, so I was like I said it's not just not going to happen I'm not going to be able to hear yet so it's really really sorry you know to sort of have to decline, um, but I just had the idea of well, yeah this guy knows loads you know Tom amazing guitarist I've seen his videos he knows what he's doing yeah you know he knows a lot more than I have. Uh, the, the <laughs> um, I'm o- I'm okay on guitar, but as technical ability, yeah, yeah. And knowledge, theory, and stuff is just not there. And it's me. an incredible thing. But, just, but I've, been, I've, I've the, got the, the ability the, to write and maybe distill yeah. information. That's that's what I've got over the last you know few years and things. It's an incredible thing hearing you say that you don't know that much about guitars, and obviously I'm watching you pick up your because you've just got the, the, that new ran as well. Watching you pick up and just kind of twiddle around and play on that, I'm like, oh my god, so good. But, but yeah, I, I don't feel. Um, I don't feel completely confident. It's, yeah. it's it's like Tom's the type of guy that you know you could play a chord progression to him and he could he could improvise over it, but you know he'd know exactly what notes to use. Like I'm using a you know B frigid mode here and stuff because it sounds a bit Eastern. And now I'm switching this chord goes here, so I'd yeah. be better to move to a major a major scale or a major mode or something. Now um, I just don't know enough about it. You know, there was a video um, actually that um, popped up a while ago of um, I can't remember his name now. It was Justin Timberlake. As much as everybody's going to laugh at him, um, 
he did a. I'm trying to think really quickly of his name. There was a country and western singer who won an award, and he was chatting to Justin at some point, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah, we'll have to do a duet at some point." Justin was saying, "Oh yeah, we'll have to do a duet at some point. I love your work. I love your stuff." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And then he won this award. Well, he got got nominated for this award, so he was going to play at the award ceremony at the awards evening. And he reached out to Justin and said, "Do you want to come and do, come and do a duet?" So he went and did a duet, and he did Tennessee whiskey. He sang Tennessee whiskey as a duet in this country and western style, and then seamlessly broke into because Justin was on the guitar as well with this with the other guy. I can't remember his name. It's really Can you play really guitar right then? Yeah, fantastic, really really cool. But oh, yeah. like a like a inverted commas again, a true musician. So he was playing this country and western style Tennessee whiskey, and then broke into one of his songs in like a jazzy. Star and then seamlessly took that back into country and western as well, and they were both both duetting. It was fantastic stuff. Mm. But just seeing somebody who's talented like that that can just bang out. Well, that, like bang out Tommy, styles. It, it was inspiring to me. I just thought, you know, and I reached out to him and said, you know, um, would you be interested in doing you know, collaboration on a book type project yeah. and stuff? Um, not knowing if he'd ever done anything like before, if he was just just a guitar teacher and just in the traditional sense, you know, one on one or maybe some yeah. online stuff. Um, I think he's a bit apprehensive uh, beforehand. I said, look, you know, I, I'll take care of the majority of the writing and stuff. That's what I do full time. I can sit down. I see you've got your guitar lessons to worry about and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it's sort of like a proper full time job. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can, hopefully we can collaborate and get something out that's that's um, really good. That would be cool. Because um, I've, I've got I've gone through so many guitar books and guitar instruction books. A lot, a lot of them, very, very a lot of them. You know, just, I just I find that because obviously I'm I'm still very much at the beginning stage. I played for two years when I was nine, before I went to secondary school, and I can't remember much of what I was what I've taught or what I what I learnt back then. And I I seem to think that there's nothing in the middle, or not even in the middle. It's not even the middle because you, by your own self admission, say that you're kind of in the middle of where a guitarist should be, sort of thing. So. Right at the beginning, after you've learned the fundamentals of this is how you hold the pick, this is how you hold the guitar, these are the scales, I'm now lost because I don't know what to do. Yeah. I d I've, I've, um, I've had conversations with you before, it's like, well, I'm, I'm learning all these scales, I do the pentatonic scale, uh, do all the Ionian scales, I'm practicing as many chords as I can, trying to get my fingers um, supple enough. I still can't do a bar chord, my fingers aren't flexible enough yet to do bar chords properly. Um, but after that, I, I don't know where to take it now. Um, I've got an REM... I've got a couple of REM tab books, uh, which I try and kind of follow and, and uh, play along to, but that's about it. I don't, I, and I'm literally, I just and don't as know well, where you, to go. Those books, this is what I found, was, was um, uh, all these books didn't explain why you were doing stuff. It's yeah. like, practice this, this scale in this position. Yeah. Okay, well now I know, like, you know, the A harmonic minor scale. You know, Ingve Malmsteen uses this scale. Okay, well, but how does he use it? Yeah. What chords can you play it over? What you know, what note choices should I make? You know, uh, um, how do I move? How do I move it up the neck? What does choosing this scale mean to how I'm going to be playing the exactly. music? What, what does it sound like? Why does it? Why is it called the harmonic minor scale? Why does it have the certain yeah. sound that it does? So um, uh, I think since writing um, the complete calisthenics book, I've, and just writing in general, and reading a lot more books, I've, I think I've become a lot more um, critical. Um, Obviously, not just saying, "Oh, this book's shit" or "This book's crap" or whatever, but actually looking like, "Okay, well, what? There's something that I don't quite get about this book, or something that I don't quite like about it. What? What is that thing? Yeah. Is it that it's not easy enough to understand, or is it that it's um, it's too vague, or that it's not in a logical uh, format, a logical order? Um, for, uh, that's that's probably the biggest one for me that I've found is is there's no guitar instructional book that I've read yet that is in a logical order that starts with the things that you should know, then builds a little bit on that, then builds a bit more, then builds a bit more. It doesn't, you know, uh, that's the thing I try to do with complete calisthenics is try and make it as logical as possible. Yeah. They, I mean, some people might think that there's there's, there's there's some big jumps in that book, um, and there there may be some, uh, but I try to make it as logical and as easy to follow and as progressive as possible, um, because you know a lot of a lot of guitar players will see you know Marty Freeman and, and Eric Clapton and all these other guys play and they'll be like oh, I don't understand how they've gone from beginner to this yeah and there's no, there's no I, 
I want to write a book, or you know, me and Tom want to, want to try and put together a book. I want to put this idea to him anyway when I meet meet with him later on. Um, that I want to try and write that book that takes you from yeah, if you're a beginner, a complete beginner, or you've been playing for a few months or a few years, or even an inter intermediate player, and you don't really know where to go next. Even an advanced player, you know, yeah. might not know some of the theory, or or well, you know, why why does this work? Why do these notes work over this chord progression or something? You know. Um, I also wanted to do a rhythm section, rhythm playing section. And it's, most of these books and internet lessons are all about the lead player, the solo player yeah. and stuff. But that's kind of like, that's the icing on the cake. You need to have a cake first. You know, James Hetfield <laughs> you know, at Metallica and Dave Mustaine and stuff, amazing, amazing rhythm players. And they're responsible for the majority of the songwriting and the songs themselves, you know. And, and Kirk Hammett gets a lot of praise and stuff because he's a lead player. Um, but without James Hetfield, the songs don't exist. Absolutely. Yeah, without Lazarus, which the songs don't exist. You don't Actually, get that. Pages, awesome those, you know, guitar songs so don't exist. Um, so I think that's that's a really important part. Um, I just wanted to get as uh, write a book that was as free of fluff as possible. You know, just to tell you exactly the things that you need to know. Doesn't go into depth about you know um, because you could go completely overboard. You could go into um, the specific scientific frequencies of. Okay, when A note is 440 hertz, well, okay, well, why do I need to know that it's 440? You don't really need to know that it's 440. It might be quite useful to, to understand that, okay, so a specific frequency might be a, a G note or something. If you halve that frequency, it's also what we would call a G note, but it's just half the frequency, an octave lower. Or if you double that frequency, it's an octave higher. It's still, yeah. We like, still label it as a G note. Um, that might be quite useful to explain, but um, I've seen a lot of stuff where it's just like, why, why would a music, why would a musician need to know this? They, they might not. If they, I mean, if they're a sort of a scientist studying tonal qualities and the relationship yeah. between frequencies and, and notes and things, then you might need to. But it's all fascinating um, stuff. I'm just, I'm just literally, it's the, it's the, it's the whole kind of underlying behind this podcast about why it's called polymaths, because. I've always said that I would, I can quite happily talk to somebody who knows a lot about something I don't know anything about. You have, you have to, yeah. Because I mean, it's, I just find it fascinating. Okay, you, I mean, you go out and you, you chat to somebody, and it's like Brian Cox was saying, you, know, you, you go out and you, you bump into somebody at the um, at a award ceremony, and they say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a, I'm a scientist. I work at, uh, I work at the. Uh, Large Hadron Collider in uh, in Switzerland. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, tell me more about it because you what you want to know more. It's something that no you don't ever, understand. No one ever says, "Ask oh, it." Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I work in the local council, uh, you know, local parish council, um, something like that. Yeah, that that is a, that is a thing saying I, I don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> you, you wouldn't obviously be that rude, but if someone says they work at CERN, then you're like, oh, yeah. God. yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. But yeah, anything like that. It's it's. Uh, I could just just feed off listening to you talk or chat about guitars or um, like when you were doing the the writing on uh, the novels as well. I could just listen to you chat and uh, the kind of conversations we had about all the all the writing and just fascinating stuff. Well, I think really uh, cool. you've got to be. I think you've got to be open because because I'm not gonna lie. I, I am independent. I like doing my own thing. I don't like yeah. really listening. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not true. It's not that I don't like listening to anybody else. It's just that if I have a if I have a project or an idea that I want to follow through, um, no one else's criticism of it will, will stop me. I'll, I'll find out if it's a bad idea for myself. Yeah. Because then I truly know whether it's a bad idea or not. Um, but yeah, you know, some things you just you just need other people's expertise. You know, you just need other people's expertise. You know, it's I don't I don't know enough about guitar playing and stuff. I know enough to write maybe a mediocre book. Right, perhaps, but I don't know. Enough, okay. But I don't know enough to to write a, a, a very very good one. For that, I'd obviously I need someone like Tom. What was that? And moderation. What moderation yeah. makes me numb. We had. I mean, we had a good idea. I, I, I thought that we'd try and um, do those examples on YouTube. That that's uh, you know to link with the book and things. Yeah, so normally, it's, normally it's like CDs and stuff. I mean, who has a CD player these days? Yeah. They still do this. They still do this stuff. It's all streaming now, isn't it? You need yeah. to get stuff out on YouTube. We we still really need, yeah. We still really need to get some of the archery stuff out. We'll maybe look at that next year. Yeah. When the weather 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 blah. Dear me. When the weather clears up again. Yeah. Um, although to be fair, we're having a pretty mild November. Although. Oh no. 
Hurricane Ab Abigail, or Storm Abigail is going to come and hit us. This is yeah, loads of snow. There we go. That that tells you how many Prepared. how many um, storms and hurricanes and stuff that are worthy of a name we get every year because we are now on Abigail, as in A, first yeah. one, and it's November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. America probably had Abigail in January the third. Uh, yeah. So we've we've got. Uh, Abigail's hitting Scotland uh, today and over the weekend, which is 90 mile an hour winds. But, change the subject, you've got a calendar out. I do have a calendar out, oh my god. They, I've Which is amazing, I had mine thank hand you. delivered today. <laughs> over breakfast. breakfast, yeah. Yeah, I bought him breakfast and gave him a calendar. Um, yeah, you can Monday. go, if you go on, if you want to have a... <laughs> if you Monday, wanna... with a present. <laughs> If you want to go on, uh, if you want to have a look at it, if you go to chrisfrossin.co.uk uh, forward slash shop, uh, it's the first first item in the shop. But it's a calendar. I've I meant to do one last year, but things in but the you set precedent got now, in the way. So I'm going to do one every year, yeah, hands so down. We have to now, hands down. I'm going to do one every year. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, 2016 calendar. It's basically. Um, last year it was going to be the year's worth of shoots. So the best. 12 or my favorite 12 or the most important 12 or a selection of whatever um, of the shoots from that year and I was going to do a 2015 calendar um, but things got in the way and I didn't get around to doing it so this year um, uh, it was actually Kelly who who reminded me or I was having a conversation with her and uh, I was like oh I need to do a calendar I need to do a calendar so I started designing it about a month ago uh, maybe five weeks ago laid it all out. I was going to just go to a calendar, an online calendar shop uh, where you can just upload your photo uh, photographs and they'll make you a calendar and give you a calendar and they're usually spiral bound but they seem to be so expensive. So looking at it, it's like well what's a calendar? It's just a book and then you open it up and you fold it and you hang it on the wall. So I found a, well I didn't really find, it's really really easy to find but I've got a, a booklet printing company, a brochure printing company and I've got 28 pages so it's A4, um, every double page spread is one month, so you get a photograph at the top, uh, a little detail, it's a few detail it? photos, no, it's, it's just A4, it's just A4, it opens up to A3, so it's an A3 when it's, when it's opened up. Ah, right, okay, yeah, that's deceiving that is, so, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. it's, uh, so you get a picture of the car, um, three detail shots from the shoot, and then the month and, uh, down below in um, written out, so that you've got space for, to scribble out and I designed it, laid it out, uh, sent the idea into one of the magazine companies that I shoot for and said do you want to uh, feature this as a, as a free calendar in your January issue which obviously comes out in December um, and that's unfortunately fallen through because they already had a, uh, a war planner included into that month um, so I've printed it all myself, I've put a little advert in on the last two pages because when you're printing everything needs to be in multiples of four so you can't have a 24 page calendar even though there's 12 months you have to have a 28 page calendar so I had two pages free so I've put a little advert in with some of my studio work on there and I came back from Swindon yesterday from shooting a the back page, is that, incredible, that's the back page all the studio stuff that's really impressive that is so the, that's yeah. the Pagani Huara, uh, the Pagani Zonda, the Ferrari F40 uh, there's a Bugatti B110 in there, um, what else, uh, Alfa Romeo 105, the Lexus LFA, uh, what else, there's a Lamborghini Huracan, um, did the Maserati, I don't know whether the Maserati got in there, and the Ferrari Dino, um, so yeah, it's a lot of the studio stuff that I did, I'm going to try and promote a little bit of high-end those, product, say, those pictures are too good even for like Top Gear magazine or something. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, 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 really that was really cool. So yeah, go to chrisfrossin.co.uk, that's F-R-O-S-I-N, um, forward slash shop, and grab your calendar. It's uh, £10 plus postage. Uh, and it does ship internationally because I've got a few friends over in America who want it. A guy called Adam Lerner, which was quite cool. He said straight away, yep, I want one of those. Uh, good photography friend that I know over in New York. Mm. But... Yeah, it's it's two years worth of my favourite shoots. So a few shoots didn't make it, which I kind of wish they had gone in. So I might have to find out a way of doing those, but maybe they'll get in the 2017 calendar, I don't know. But uh, yeah, awesome. Loved it, absolutely loved it. 
really, really cool. It was really nice getting it out there as well. I put it up on Facebook, and it's had some really good response. All my friends have, well, some people who who I don't really consider friends, more kind of acquaintances because I've never met them or something, but uh, it's had a lot of good, a lot of good comments, a lot of good feedback, um, a lot of good orders straight away. I, I opened it up for a little bit of a pre-order before the, before they landed. I got back from Swindon yesterday, and there was a little box waiting for me. So I opened it up. Fantastic! It looks really cool. Really, really pleased with it. Yeah. So yeah, I first, is, I suppose with uh, yeah, I suppose it's just it's just another good way of just you know getting getting money from all that hard work, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's another way of, and it's just and okay, it's, it's a, just more creative. I mean, it looks it looks bloody awesome. Thank you. It really does. Yeah, no, it was. I I like being creative. It's it's that thing of trying to push yourself. Oh, I'm going to do this now. Oh, I'm going to do that now. Oh, I really want to do that. Like I've got I've got loads of. Like personal project ideas that I really want to shoot. I want to shoot some old vintage cars on film uh, with a, a really wide panoramic medium format camera. So a Fu Fuji 617 it's called. So it's six, the negatives are 6 centimetres high by 17 centimetres long. So the negatives are like that big. Wow. Um, which obviously doesn't work on a podcast. What that big. Is, what resolution for that? What resolution? It's, it's whatever resolution you scan it in at, but it's, it's large. So they should they should look really cool. So that will stay sharp six, up until six, you know, oh God, yeah. to like a ten. Yeah, yeah, you can shoot, you can you can blow that up massively. But yeah, that that will be a six by seventeen. If you crop that to six by eighteen, that's a six by nine book. So you just lose one centimeter off either or both sides of the uh, negative, and then you've got a double. If you imagine a, a six by nine landscape book that opens down the short side, and you can. Open that up. A double page spread there is going to be a six by eighteen ratio um, picture. So that's that's the idea for that. So I'm going to do. I don't know whether it'll be twelve. It'll be as many as I can. But um, I've got to find the cars and the scenery. <laughs> so maybe I should go and shoot it over in Canada. Canada. <laughs> you will not struggle. I'll take I'll take my Fuji six seventeen over to Canada and shoot it over there. Um, there's another medium format camera, six by nine, a Fuji GL. 690, which you, I might try and get done some to practice. Camera holders as well. So I make yeah, a camera grip. So I've wanted a. It's called a Nikon FM. It's a really old film camera, and I wanted one for a while because they're a really solid, uh, very usable film camera. And I love my film. I love shooting film. And uh, I was looking for one, and one popped up on eBay, and it had a, it had a Voigtlander lens adapter, which is a, a German, I believe it's German. Right? Um, that was adapted to fit this Nikon FM, and then it had a wooden grip on it as well. So you screw it onto the bottom, and it just gives it a bit of a more bulky feel, so you can fit your hand around it. So I, I saw that, I was like, oh, I can make one of those. And I wrote an article about it, how I've been kind of brought up in the, oh, you can make or mend that, that kind of atmosphere from my granddad and my, my dad. So every time I see something like that, it's like, oh, I can make that. So this last few weeks, November and December, um, I'm planning, in inverted commas, to try and have it uh, a little quieter in terms of photo shoots. Having said that, I've now got five photo shoots to organise for the next couple of weeks. But um, So one of the things, one of the little projects I was going to do was make one of these film grips, uh, camera grips. So I started a couple of days ago, uh, there's a photographer friend in Ohio who shoots a lot of film, who I reached out to and said, uh, would you like one as well if I make two? Because uh, he's got an icon FM as well, FM2. So uh, I was basically just going to make one, send it to him, and then make another one for myself. Uh, and yeah, it's come out. It's come out really well, actually. I've just got to finish off. I've got one little, one little bit to finish off on the far side, which is a little block to stop the camera spinning. Once you've once you've, once you've screwed it into the tripod mount on the bottom, it could spin a little bit if you didn't if you didn't uh, do it tight enough. So I've just made a little block to stop that happening. And then once that's shaped. I can uh, varnish it or wax it and ship it off to Matt. So, yeah, if you want to have a look at Matt's stuff, go on to Matt Day Photo on YouTube. You know, really, really good film photographer. Shoots an awful lot of film, uh, and he gets lots and lots of film cameras. And he's got way more. He's had way more film cameras than I think anybody I've ever known. Just keeps buying the one, selling one, buying the next one. Brilliant. Wow. So yeah, yeah so lots of Yeah, lots of ideas. I've got. I've got. Um, one of the ideas yesterday on this shoot was 
um, it shoots for a lot of magazines and even though even though you can kind of provide the photography, provide the photos, um, I'm quite lucky in that all the editors seem to really like my work. So I'm trying to make a little bit of a difference and trying to uh, trying to test, well not really test, but trying to um, really improve the quality and make it a little bit different to what I'm sending in. So yesterday I was going for a little bit more of a commercial feel, uh, shooting very much a moody scene. So all studio lit, um, or trying to get a studio lit feel like that. The last page, the last double page, spreading my calendar, trying to get that kind of studio feel to the uh, to the images, and just just trying to push yourself because I'm sure you realise as well you can get, you can kind of get in a little bit of a creative rut. So setting little oh, yeah. little personal challenges for for paid work like that. Um, I mean the 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 shoot came out really really well, so I'm looking forward to sending that into the editor and hearing his feedback and seeing it in print, but. Um, I think you've got to challenge yourself and you've got to do things that you wouldn't have normally done yeah. or that might be a bit, maybe a bit beyond your um, reach. Yeah, comfort zone. Uh, well, yeah, well, I'm getting out of your zone. for example, is, is a bit... Um, well, you need to ask for help for that one, haven't you, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that's what, we went down, I went down and shot this Ford 100 yesterday and um, I was chatting to him. And every, everybody I go to, that's one of the reasons why I love the job as well. You go out and you get to drive all the way around the country and meet all these car geeks. There's complete car nutters, petrol heads. And you can have instantly relate to them because they're into cars and I'm into cars. And everybody's thoroughly, thoroughly pleasant and nice and helpful. And I was showing them and telling them stories about my Galant as well that I've been working on. And he was really interested in it and uh, said that once it's finished, I've got to take it down and show him and he'll help me out with so and so and bits and bobs. But, I mean, the Galant was very much one of those things that I wanted to do as much as I could myself on it. Uh, and I've joked before on Facebook um, that whenever I've kind of outsourced it, it's gone wrong and I've had to kind of go back and get them to sort it out. So the turbo, I had the turbo rebuilt and they brought it back and it was 90 degrees out of alignment so it wouldn't bolt up. And the prop shaft, which I had a company make, was two inches too long and things like that. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely a challenge and I like pushing myself and trying to see how far and how much I can do but then once the Galant's on the road I'm really looking forward to taking it to some professionals or whatever some people a little bit more in the know and say look this is where it is really like your opinion on how to get uh, more power or how to get a better performance or uh, a better grip a better ride uh, what can I do with the brakes and just trying to get to a bit more involvement from the outside as well, but I, I really wanted to get it done myself, so I can say, yep, I've done that now. I mean, how, how far is the grant away from it? I've got to... Um, so it failed the MOT on some loose wiring, uh, which is easy to sort out. It failed the MOT on a front wheel bearing, which is a little bit off, uh, so I can just whip that out and change that. And then a braking balance, so I need to bleed and, and strip all the brakes. Uh, which is fair enough because it's been sat for a fair few years. It might just need a quite aggressive drive, but you can't really do that before an MOT. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll just bleed all the brakes. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, my brakes on that Corolla because my Corolla just been sitting. I'd asked my parents to like to start it and oh, just yeah. turn it over. They obviously hadn't done it because they I don't know they just forgot. Whatever. <laughs> Trying to start. But they didn't. We had to just like just charge it. Oh no, battery yeah, But it started afterwards and it's been fine ever since. Cool. Yeah, just going out on the road, just put my foot down. Nothing Sponge. like no. <laughs> nothing happens with the brakes. You just hear, <laughs> you know. But um, sort of ten miles down the road, and it's, it's yeah. Fine. It just had to just had to get the um, get the rust off the uh, brake pads, brake discs. Yeah. So it's working fine now. I thought, oh, no. at first I thought, no, I have to because <laughs> it's it's been such a good car. It's been yeah, it's, it's so really good. Yeah. And, and spot if, on. If it takes us sort of eighteen months to get to Canada, I don't have to. Do anything to it or buy a new car. You don't want to have to buy an Ultima GTR just before you go to Canada. Right. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. Have you seen that they're yes. doing a, a documentary on them? Yeah. <laughs> evolution, yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. So, so it's it was at a thousand and twenty horsepower now. Yeah, it's crazy. That's their top one. Absolutely crazy. A little bit lighter than the GTR. If you want to know what the car is we're talking about, go to uh, just do a Google search for Ultima GTR. Does yeah, that the Ultima GTR, Ultima Sports Limited. Yeah, LTV. Ultima GTR. Um, it's Ash's dream car. Well, it's the Ultima Evolution now. The GTR is out of. Production. 
It's a set. It's basically. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. But ev- everything's updated. You know, the suspension, chassis, whatever else. You I'm want. lucky enough to own my dream car. I've got a Mitsubishi Galant outside. But beyond that, it would be a McLaren P1. Fabulous thing. Really. Oh, you get eaten by the incredible. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't care. That car's phenomenal. I'm gonna see you later. Did you see? You know the the shootout, um, McLaren P1 versus LaFerrari versus the Porsche 918. So those those three hypercars came out obviously, and everybody was like, "Oh, which one's fastest?" And um, they've done it. Uh, they did a lap round Silverstone, uh, and they did a drag strip down at Santa Pod. So the lap round Silverstone, the P1 was fastest by 0.2 seconds. Um, I can't remember what was third. Uh, what was second? I think it was the Porsche that was second, and the LaFerrari that was third, which I thought was quite surprising. I thought it'd be the other way around. I think. Don't quote me on that. So how, how much? How much do they do they weigh though? I know the McLaren's like carbon fibre and stuff. How much does that weigh? I don't know. Google it. I, I want to say fourteen hundred kilograms, which is just over a ton. So it's got four hundred kilos on the. Ultimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the Galant's under a ton. Galant's 900 kilograms. There you go, put 1,000 horsepower in it. <laughs> McLaren P1 beating. Um, P. Wait. So I think it's 1400k. Oh, E, I've not got. Oh, there we go. The fascinating world of podcasting so, when we're searching to find out. Okay, dry weight is 1395. There we go, 1400, yeah. Yeah. Um, as a curb weight of so six hundred and six horsepower per ton, but obviously the but it's the way it delivers it. I mean, come on, oh, that car's phenomenal. Tell you what, the Evolution has a thousand and fifty horsepower per ton. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> it's nearly double. Yeah, you just can't buy a Formula One car. It's like <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah. It's two thousand horsepower. Well, I don't know what it is now. It's six hundred and fifty. I'm really biased towards the ultimate only because. Well, I've really been, to, I've been to a factory, and B, yeah. it's kind of like that old English guy in a shed mentality. Yeah. Like, oh, guys in a shed with just access to hammers and spanners and stuff. Have and done a, the college maybe, maybe a bit of cabin cam CNC machine mm. can make, make a world beater. Because they, I'd love just... to go to the Koenigsegg factory, actually. Oh, yeah. Christian von Koenigsegg, that guy's that a, a nutcase as well. It's just, yeah, I've got an automotive But I don't understand, I don't understand and... how a lot of these, these cars weigh that much. Because they use all this carbon fibre and everything. How are they weighing still 1,500 kilos? Is that how much the, the drivetrain? The, tr- the drivetrain. You've got the drivetrain. Is I that think, I mean, electronics? I think the electri- weigh, yeah, the wiring is going to weigh quite a lot. But then, of, of course, you've got to remember that to sell a car like that, it's got to have a certain amount of refinement. So it's going to need Absolutely, leather yeah. seats. It's I going wouldn't to need, have thought the evolution is maybe that yeah. refined. It's going to need leather seats, it's going to need no carpet. No traction control, no ABS, no. I mean. It'd be a phenomenal thing to drive. I'd love to drive that, it'd be brilliant. Probably kill myself, but I'd need a, need a massive road in Canada. I mean, the GTR <laughs> used to do 30 miles an hour to 70 miles an hour in a second. Uh, Stick it in, old, I think it was like second or third gear. It doesn't matter. Put foot down, and it just does. I'm guessing it wouldn't that. matter, second, third, probably do it in fourth. Probably do it in fourth. You've got that much torque. Like, though, no it's, way. Yeah, it's, it's probably. I mean, they don't wow. use. They don't. I think that might be supercharged. But the seven hundred and twenty horsepower. What a twin do. twin turbo? I don't think they use turbos on it. Do they not? No. They used to go just natural aspirated. Just they used to be Chevy no. big block engines, V eights. That used to get from used to get them from American Speed, and they used to go all the way from the sort of three hundred to eight hundred horsepower, all natural aspirated. Wow. But yeah, that's, that's, that's that's you know you don't wait for turbos to spoil earth. Yeah. You know, um, that's rather obviously, cool. Obviously, turbos do sound very, very cool. No, um, but yeah, that, that's why I'm. That's why I'm biased. You know, I, I mean, I do. I do love. Obviously, McLaren are a British company, and they're mega high yeah. tech and everything. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like the fact that there's just like these guys, very, very small company. You know, probably doesn't. I like the Sing the Singer 911s as well. That's a really nice little company, just over in California, getting what, old. Sorry, Singer 911. So they take old Porsche. Uh, I'm not very good with the Porsche no- naming, but old Porsche 911s uh, and update them with uh, all the newer Porsche items. So it'll have new Porsche brakes, it'll have a 3.8 bored out 3.8 litre engine, um, and then they had an, uh, an aircraft sound engineer come in and put all the sound deadening in. Um, it's just got all the best, all the best 
components. So it looks a bit more vintage, but on a, yeah, it's phenomenal looking thing. Really pretty. So there's there's finally one in the UK which I need to track down and photograph because that's that's a beautiful car as well. But yeah, I'd, so let's do goals for next year. I'm going to photograph a McLaren P1. I'm going to photograph a Singer 911. Uh, I kind of want to do a Nissan Skyline, which is that will be reasonably straightforward, I would imagine, because there's lots of them around. So I need to find one of those to photograph. What, what type? What model? R32, the older one. Yeah, uh, the R33 is my favourite. Your, th your favourite 33? Yeah. So a friend of mine has just imported a, I think it's a, a really old square, the, the uh, mid, mid 80s one, mid 1980s one, which is really nice. So I might try and see if I'm going to photograph that at some point. Mm. That'd be quite cool. So yeah, I'm going to do uh, the goal setting exercise again. Over yeah, Christmas, that, yeah. so we'll start on that. Next year, I need to do. So uh, I kind of lost track on that halfway through February, I think. So it didn't last very long at all for me, unfortunately. But I'm going to completely commit to it and uh, do it again and see how far we can push it in 2016. Looking forward to that. Yeah, guitar yes. books. Yes, guitar books. Archery. Oh, I've got loads. Yeah. Canada. Oh, we're waiting to hear back from Archers uh, for the Archers MOA stuff. I'm waiting oh, yeah, to hear back yeah, yeah. from Merlin. Yeah. So we've emailed Merlin with uh, some trade prices uh, to stock our uh, archery targets in the UK. So the largest, the largest archery stockist in the UK. So um, I did some photography work for them, and then approached them to see if they would uh, like to stock our archery products. And they were like, "Yeah, we good like issue, that." Don't we? Yes, we do need to do another. Well, that was issue. amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. You'd pop down and uh, I'll catch up with Jim again. He does laser range for now. Forty-two point seven yards, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really like, you really like to though, like like the, just um, like trying to guesstimate those ranges and stuff. That, yeah. was, that was really cool. But I think it was the first time. I think I'd only just got my hinge release, hadn't yes. I? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. That was like the first time I'd ever sp spent any sort of extended. Period and Jim of time was shooting. Jim was really complimentary with your grouping. So like, yeah. Well, right. tell you what, it, it helps massively that hinge release. Did you? So how much did you shoot over in Canada then? Did you shoot much? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah, when I got to, because I've just got hold of like a little cheap, you know, sort of second-hand like you know, same target, um, and then uh, d I donated that. There's one of the kids, um, uh, sort of summer camp things that Julie knows about, and she said, oh, "Yeah, you can if you want. I can take this down there. They do archery." I said, "Yeah, yeah donate it to them and stuff. That'd be cool." Oh, that's cool. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think it was only like forty bucks or something. Yeah. I thought you know, just for lots sort of five weeks shooting, it was it was worth it. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I got shot. I couldn't really shoot in Whistler because it was. Just, I thought there'd be like archery ranges and open land, but it's it's it was a bit too restricted there. Okay. Um, and no one around there did archery. It was all mountain biking or running or whatever. So else on it. okay, but so it was a bit nowhere to do archery. They just do mountain biking. So what did you do? Mountain biking. Yeah, he bought mountain biking. Yeah, so if anyone bike. ever gets to go to Whistler and you're into mountain biking even a tiny bit, go to Whistler. It is insane. Especially if you're into sort of downhill, um, downhill. your know, bike park type stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. So they've got gondolas that go all the way up. Well, they've got two gondolas actually. They've got a gondola that goes up to sort of halfway up the mountain where most people sort of jump off. They've got another one that you get on that takes you right up to the top. Did you did you do both routes? Did you uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did the did the top one. There's hardly anybody. There's probably only sort of five to ten percent of the people that got on the bike park were going up there. Um, it's a lot longer coming down and stuff. And some of the trails were were a bit uh, sort of degraded and things because it's right at the end of the year. Um, so obviously I'll build them up for the next next. And year. what bike did you get? Was it hard? It's tail? a Giant Glory Two. Giant yeah. Glory Two. So we've got Rock Shocks forks, eight inch travel on the front, and then okay. Rock Shocks shock on the back, eight inches of travel on the back. Um, I think they're and how big the disc brakes are, but they're sort of they're massive. I mean, it stops ridiculously fast, <laughs> but it's I mean, it weighs about 35 pounds. This thing. right, and it, but going downhill just wants to carry speed, just wants to speed up. And the suspension is such that any you know, rock gardens and things, tree roots and stuff, as long as you've got it set up right, just eats them, just ride, just ride over it. You don't even oh. need to ride around them, you just ride over it. So, I need to go to Whistler as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah, they're doing X rental bikes. Right, so Kelly Ryan, when I come over, we're going to make a list of stuff that we need to do. Well, I did think I was like, I was like, these bikes. Are st I, was, I saw a Giant Glory frame, a two hundred and fifteen one, for like five hundred dollars, which for for me was about two hundred fifty pounds, which is ridiculously cheap. Ridiculous. You could bring that back to the UK and make double money, even if you just sold it to the first person that walked walked by. You know, but I was like, why? Why doesn't I kept thinking, why don't why doesn't anybody come and buy all these things up and then ship them back somehow or 
whatever. And they did. There's a couple of German yeah, guys yeah. that came. Yeah. But a couple of days after I bought my, my bike and they spent about $30,000 buying loads and loads of bikes and they just ship them back. Do back them in a shipping bit, container. And then sell them. Yeah, my friend has just gone out there. He's bought a Porsche 912. Uh, he flew out to, uh, I think it was Calgary. He flew out to Calgary, picked up a more Porsche. Well, he actually bought two. He bought a Porsche 912 and um, a Porsche 911 and shipped them back. He's just picked up the 912 from uh, Bristol Docks. Wow. But, uh, yeah, you can pick up crazy stuff over there. Fantastic. Right. Well, I might have to, well, we might have to end now because I've got to shoot to... You've got to go and sort out, your, sort out your uh, have a chat about guitar book. And stuff. Right. Well, fantastic. Um, we'll have to talk about Iran. We've got, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll come back down. I'll we'll come to you, or you'll come up. Uh, I'll stick a I'll stick a photo up on. Actually, you can book a photo up on the Polymath. Well, I'm uh, a bit closer photo. now because I'm like you're the side of Norwich. Oh, of course, you're. An hour less. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So you, your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So I can I can make that trip. How long does it take? What's the, what's the... two and a half hours maybe? It's not that bad. If I if I find a I'll try and do a shoot because I think I've got a shoot over in Essex, so I can kind of pop up. Uh, from Essex, that's not too bad, too bad a journey. But yeah, I'll, I'll make the trip over. We'll do another podcast. Uh, there might not be well, there won't. I don't think there'll be a, a weekly thing like we used to do. But we'll at least try and put. Unless I can get a decent. If you can get, yeah. Well, Dad's just put in. I've we've got a little upstairs office bit. Okay. Um, uh, sort of on the mezzanine floor that the bank version are doing. So um, we've tried to put a hard wire thing in there. But um, I looked on my. MacBook Pro and there's no, there's no thing in there. There's oh, no like Ethernet really? port. So I don't know if I've got to use a, 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 some, a something like a Thunderbolt to Ethernet or something like that. Oh, I don't okay. know. I couldn't find one anyway. So either I'm doing something wrong or I'm just missing the point. Um, but the, the, the Wi-Fi signal was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to I've, test I've it out. I've hardwired my Mac now. So my yeah. Mac is... Oh, I, I, I did a podcast with um, a couple of guys in the States that own sort of like a health and fitness... Um, oh, cool. Uh, studio thing over there, you know, a healthcare centre. Nice. Um, so, the, but that the the connection was pretty flawless. And yeah. Regardless, that wasn't video. Um, oh, cool. So we could obviously do. Yeah, yeah. We'll just do an audio. We could make it weekly if you want. Well, have a go. We'll have a go. Let's see, yeah, Let's yeah, see if we can get it back on. Organise a bit of time. Because uh, yeah, definitely. I can spare a couple of hours. I can spare a couple of hours. I can always spare a couple of hours for podcasting with you. Yeah. Spot on. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um This will be up pretty soon. I'll get it straight up as quickly as I can. Send the. Uh, Send the links out. Get everybody listening to Polymaths again. Yeah. Spot on. Cheers. Thanks right. very much, Ash. Cool. Nice to see you. Take it easy.